Hey guys, welcome back or welcome to Bring Your Own Baggage. I'm your host Justine and I'm here to talk about mental health and body image issues on college campuses from the perspective of a college student. These struggles are much more prevalent than you'd expect and I'm here to let you know that you're not alone. Hello Duffles, it is me again. Welcome back to another episode. Today we're going to be talking about bipolar disorder with a very special guest, so we'll get into that later. But first, I actually have a life update for you. And it's actually a very exciting life update. So me and Amber got a kiddie pool last week because it was so hot out and it's a watermelon kiddie pool and we got matching watermelon visors. So just something something to live for something to get us through the hot days i actually edited this episode sitting in the kiddie pool so that was very exciting also happy may everybody may is asian pacific american heritage month and just a little bit of a history for you is the month of may was chosen to mark the anniversary of the completion of the transcontinental railroad on may 10th 1869 and the majority of the workers who laid the tracks were chinese immigrants and also may is api heritage month to commemorate the official immigration of the first japanese individual to the united states on may 7th 1843 so there we go Um, may is also mental health awareness month trying to think if i could do something exciting for byob with that stay tuned right now the only thing i can think about is finals since i have three this week but after may 8th i will be able to operate as a normal human being again oh and may is also me and pilot's birthday month so very exciting probably the most important out of all of that (laughs) i'm kidding um but yeah that is enough talking for now and let's just get right on into the intro all right guys so as i mentioned in the intro we have another very special guest um we're going to keep it anonymous for today though so we're just going to be getting into what bipolar disorder is and then jumping into the personal experience so according to the national institute of mental health bipolar disorder is a mental disorder that causes unusual shifts in mood energy activity levels concentration and the ability to carry out day-to-day tasks there are three types of bipolar disorder all three types involve clear changes in mood energy and activity levels these moods range from periods of extremely up elated, irritable, or energized behavior known as manic episodes to very down, sad, indifferent, or hopeless periods known as depressive episodes. Less severe manic periods are known as hypomanic episodes. So with that definition, we're just going to get into the personal experience. So when were you diagnosed with bipolar disorder and how does it manifest itself in your day-to-day life? I was diagnosed with bipolar. I have bipolar one, but I was diagnosed with bipolar two, um, right? I think the day before my 20th birthday, which was July, 2019. Okay. So, um, but I had, I was previously, di- previously diagnosed with, um, insomnia, like panic disorder, anxiety, and, um, like depression. Mm-hmm. And, um, but whenever I got those past diagnoses, the, th- I, I could tell the therapist was always like, like they would give me that diagnosis. I like met the criteria, but I, I think me and the therapist both felt like, oh, something's like missing. Cause like, yes, I definitely have anxiety and like depression. Like that's definitely very present in like my day-to-day life, but there's something else that's like not being covered by this, but I don't think either of us were really fully sure how to like describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had bipolar disorder for sure since I was like maybe 14 though. Mm-hmm. My family, um, we don't have like a comprehensive like mental health, like um, history Like my family's um, all immigrants from Africa and um we just like don't have like a like a comprehensive like family health history like mm-hmm. especially mental health like growing like 
Ethiopia and during a civil war did not have great mental health services. So like there are definitely members of my family I can like look at and be like, you know what, like that looks like bipolar disorder. Like, like when I told my parents, they, um, they were very like, oh, but that doesn't run in our family. And it's like, well, we don't know how either of my grandfathers died because men- like the medical care in Ethiopia was so like bad during that time. Like, can you really say confidently we don't have that in our family? Mm-hmm. But it started like I was 14 and I became incredibly depressed overnight. I stopped doing anything. I was used to, I was a very social person. I stopped socializing completely. I stopped really eating. I stopped talking and I just would, my parents like make me go to school. I'd go to school. I'd do my homework in the morning. Cause I would just like sleep all day after coming back. And then I just was like a very different person. And my entire family was like, what is like up with her? Like something is not right. And then mm-hmm. one day I felt great. Um, after six months of just literally just being too depressed to do anything. Mm. Um, I joined a ton of clubs. I started SAT prep. I was just like on the ball. I was doing everything. I was definitely sleeping less. It wasn't like this huge, like decrease. It wasn't like two hours of sleep, which it became as I got older, but like, it was definitely like less sleep. I was waking up earlier. I was, I was just on the money. I felt mm. great every day. I would join the musicals. I, and also like, I would just be really good at school. Like a huge thing with um my illness is like, it really like affects school during my sad time or my depressive episode before then, which I didn't really know, which was de- uh, a depressed episode. I was not doing like great in school. I think it was like fine. It was like, would just go up and down so much. And I ended up doing well enough to get into the college I go to now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my parents always just like brushed off my like huge changes in moods as um as just like normal like oh part of who I am like oh and we always like and they talk about how my mom was like the same way and mm-hmm. when I got to college though I think the people around me they didn't know me very long but they could definitely tell something was just like not normal in my freshman hall like I was known as the girl who was always up in the middle of the night just doing random things like, a big part of mania is not sleeping mm-hmm. and I would just like sleep two hours a night and feel great mm-hmm. and not tired. I wouldn't need to nap, but then I would come out of like the hypomania or mania, whatever it was at the time and get be depressed. And I'd be so confused because I would try to stay awake. Like I would before, like stay up like all night and like feel good, but I couldn't do it. And I was just like, I'd talk to you and be like, it's, I can't stay awake. Like I used to before, like for those months, like I don't understand why. And people would always be like, Oh, weird. And like, I had so many, like, if the people I was around, like, hanging out with pre-pandemic knew what bipolar disorder was, if anyone I interacted with regularly throughout, like, my life knew what it was, like, definitely, Mm -hmm. I would have been diagnosed in high school. Mm -hmm. My first actual, like, manic episode before this time, I had hypomanic episodes, and they were more chill, and I would be, like, productive and have, like, fun, but it wasn't to like such a level of like self-destruction. Mm-hmm. My first manic episode, I was 19 years old. It was 2018. I was really reckless. Like I, when I came to college, I partied a lot, but I, it was like a different level of like recklessness. Mm-hmm. And um, I had like incredible racing thoughts. I couldn't carry a conversation. It was really bad. I, it was probably about four months long. It wasn't that bad at first, but like at the end of it, I like people would like tell me like you are talking, but no sense. You are not like speaking in coherent sentences. It was um, I think it's called like word salad, like in mm-hmm. psychology, but like I could not talk 
my grades were terrible. A lot of people were like, oh, you are so quirky. You aren't even speaking in sentences. And I have no idea what they're talking about. And I'm just like, I look back and it's like, is that not like a concern for you? Like, I, like, <laughs> you. I can't like talk properly. <laughs> anyway, like, isn't that kind of like wild? Yeah. And I started having panic attacks every day. Mm-hmm. Got to the point where I, I was sleeping like a few hours a night. Then I just completely stopped sleeping. I stayed awake. I could not stop moving. I would walk back and forth and my hands would shake. I had incredible like amounts of like paranoia. I, I was just acting so weird, just like, uh, like just so like unhinged. And like, I had like friends and they were like, you need to see someone. We don't know what to do for you because we don't know what you're going through, but you need to like have a crisis appointment with like the health center. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that and I was acting so strangely. I also like, I'm, ta- I'm talking at this like time period. I truly don't remember things very well mm-hmm. because like, um, I, like I, especially when I stopped sleeping, I, I remember almost nothing from that time. I used to really crying and like, wow. anything. it was truly terrible. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have a crisis appointment. There's a very long wait at the health center mm-hmm. and I was just walking back and forth. I was crying. I looked frankly crazy. And like, I remember the, the lady at the front desk was like, are you like, okay. And I don't remember what I said. I just like could not sit still. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stop like shaking. And then I, I don't remember my session very well, but the, like within a few minutes, the lady was like, um, the therapist, she said, you need to see a doctor. She, I was the clearly manic. She mm-hmm. just kept telling me like, you are not making any sense. She said it like kindly though, but she was mm-hmm. like, I'm like, concerned because you are not making any sense talking. Like I was talking so fast. So like disjointed that like, it did not. It was just very like concerning. I, I told her I hadn't slept in days. I think I stayed awake for three to four days. Oh my gosh. It was hell. I, I tried, even tried like napping, but like I basically couldn't stop moving, like even like laying in like bed. And they, I was like, oh, I have no mental illness. I don't need to see strength. I, I don't know. I was like, mm-hmm. had a lot of internalized stigma. And I didn't think, I generally didn't think I had any mental illness. I just told her I'm just really anxious mm-hmm. and I just haven't slept in days. And she was like, okay. I also lost a considerable, a considerable amount of weight during this time, mm-hmm. um, like in a very short period of time. And she basically was like, okay, well, you need to see a doctor. And the doctor for the school was the, like the floor below. So they gave me a slip of paper that said, um, put her in the front of the line to see the doctor. But like, for, they just did not tell me anything that was going on. Like, I just, I, they just really should have told me in hindsight. Cause mm-hmm. I, went quite some time being undiagnosed after this go mm-hmm. in and I'm talking to the doctor and they're they look at the slip and they're like I think they assumed that I was like suicidal mm-hmm. because like when someone had like when the um therapy office gives like a slip oh this person needs to see a doctor right away I think they just assume oh this person like needs some sort of medical attention but mm-hmm. I was there and I was acting really weird and they were just like why are you here? This like mm-hmm. paper doesn't say anything. I was like, I have no idea why I'm here. I don't want to be here. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And then they tried to give me antidepressants. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't. And I was like, I'm fine. I don't need this. And then they gave me um the first medication I was on. And like I and the doctor was like, oh, you can go now. Like I gave you your stuff, but like that's incredibly irresponsible on like the school's part. Mm-hmm. Like someone shows up manic. You don't tell them they're manic and they just like leave. And then mm-hmm. after someone tries to give them antidepressants, mm-hmm. wow, wild. And then I, a few days later, I completely fell out of it and I couldn't get out of bed. Um, so I, I became really, really depressed and I just had no self-awareness. And I was like, I just feel like I was so wrapped up in like the emotions I was like feeling mm-hmm. that I just like didn't understand what was going on. I just like, I just feel so strongly and I just, I just couldn't 
do anything. And I ended up finishing that semester really poorly. And then the next semester, I was only depressed for like maybe like a month or two, which is odd. I'm usually depressed for much longer. And then I had another manic episode um, right after that. My disorganized thoughts were so bad that like I there's um one class I had to write two papers um on two different books. And it was like do the same day. And it, they're supposed to be like really short, like one page, like essays. Mm-hmm. I was so out of it that I ended up writing 10 pages of one essay. Wow. I had quotes from both books. And then like, I, I realized like I was well enough to like, to be like, I can't like turn this in. It doesn't like make any sense. I ended up like turning in like late and I didn't have an explanation like why, cause I, I didn't have any accommodations. I had no idea what I was experiencing. And like, I don't know how to tell this professor, this is why I'm turning things in late. Yeah. Then that summer I had a lot of like mixed mania um, which is called, which is essentially just like dysphoric mania when you're manic, but you just like hate it, which mm-hmm. is like, what I felt. Um, and my parents were just like, oh, well, what's going on with you? And I just like couldn't function. I did not, I had another bad semester, the grades. And then I go to a psychiatrist and they, I tell them like, oh, like I've just been depressed, this, this, and that. And then I, I, I refer to my manic episodes as like anxiety. Cause I just mm-hmm. felt such levels of anxiety um, during them. And I was just talking to her and she was like, I can, I can't die. You're not, you're not self-aware enough for me to give you a diagnosis, but I don't want to label you as depressed because this sounds like clear bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And I was so offended. <laughs> like, and I, I literally said, I've never fought somebody. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Just, yeah. And she was like, that's not what bipolar disorder is. Yeah. And I talked to my dad after and I was like, I can't believe she said it to me. That's so rude. <laughs> Oh, like, honestly, in hindsight, that's hilarious. But, um, she, and I was like, can I like antidepressants? She was like, if I give someone with bipolar disorder antidepressants, that's like instant mania. And like, this is a mm-hmm. terrible situation. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I left empty handed and like, like just upset. And my dad was also offended. He was like, I can't believe she said that to you. <laughs> it's funny. Mm-hmm. And then she made me take a blood test to see like maybe you have thyroid issues, which is like affecting your mood. Mm-hmm. And um, we then concluded, I do have thyroid problems. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, okay, but I still don't want to like attribute your moods changes to thyroid problems. It sounds more major than that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, let me just wait some time. Maybe if you don't have a large mood change for some time. Like I can give you antidepressants. So about like a month or two pass and um, she gives me antidepressants. And so I take this, and she said, oh, I shouldn't feel a single thing from it. It's just like the smallest dose. This is just the smallest dose. So you can see if you have an allergy or not, mm-hmm. then you can switch quickly. But she basically told me what mania was and like, oh, this will happen X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, got it. Then I took um, Zoloft. This, like, and she said, I'm supposed to feel a single thing from it. And if I did, that'd be bad. Mm-hmm. And immediately that same day, few, not immediately, I guess seven hours later, Mm-hmm. I was very manic wow. running back and forth, just like in my, like, I was staying, I was subletting this like house over the summer, to take a class. Mm-hmm. Just, I was just like off the walls and I didn't think anything of it. I was so used to feeling that way mm-hmm. that I didn't think it was weird. I was, I thought it was very normal. And I was like, maybe it's like working. I don't feel sad anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't really remember much from that time. Another just like manic episode. It was mm-hmm. much shorter though. And it was just very like abrupt. Like I'd never happened like, like flipping a switch like that. Um, and it's really, really exciting. I remember almost nothing. I was mm-hmm. definitely reckless though. 
but I went to class. Like, I don't remember going to class, but I looked at my notebook and I had notes <laughs> and I was like, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like weird though, because like I had an exam in that class, like a few weeks later after I had calmed down and I looked at it and I'm really exciting. And I was like, oh, I actually know how to do this. And like, it was a physics class. So like, you have to do like equations. And I was like, it's weird how I like, remember these equations, mm-hmm. but I wasn't, I don't remember those days. Mm-hmm. I, and then I see my therapist. I, coincidentally, before I even started talking to her, she was like, hi, I've been looking at your notes and I've noticed a change in your moods, especially if how you descri- describe like time, like past experiences. And I think I have enough to diagnose you with bipolar too. And I start talking to her and she was like, oh, this person does not have bipolar two. This person has bipolar one because I was very manic from the Zoloft. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is going on? I was only there for a few minutes. And she was like, I need to see a doctor. So same thing from before. Mm-hmm. So I call my doctor and they're like, oh, we can't see you for a week. And I was like, okay, but I'm manic now. Mm-hmm. And um, it was clearly bad enough where I like couldn't function really. Mm-hmm. I was having a hard time talking to people. And um, they were like, well, we don't have an appointment for a week. And I was just like, I really just like wait. Like this seems like kind of urgent. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I guess I just made it through. Oh my and gosh, I, that's awful. I, terrible and then I started mood stabilizers and yeah and that's how I got my diagnosis of bipolar one mm-hmm. so I guess that's a really long way to answer your first question mm. thank you for sharing all of that and I'm so sorry that that process of getting diagnosed took so long yeah. that just seems like there's I guess we'll talk about this later but it just seems like there are so many things regarding the professionals that you were working with that you know this could have been diagnosed earlier and just like getting information about it. And I think that's something that's really hard with stigma is like what you were saying, like after you, your therapist was like, oh, you have bipolar disorder and you were like, I'm not violent. Like that's <laughs> yeah. not, that's not me. And that's so sad that that's like the messages that we get with people who have, who struggle with mental illness. And even though obviously having bipolar disorder doesn't make you like a violent criminal or anything like this is what is like shown in media and stuff. So that's really hard. And thank you again for sharing. Yeah. I definitely had a lot of internalized stigma. I still do, but it was, I think that was a really big thing. Like um, I just would talk to my therapist and I was like, every time I Google something about bipolar disorder, I get really sad. Like mm. you can Google um, if being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, it can like your life expectancy is supposed to be off 10 years. Mm. And I don't think it's because of, just bipolar disorder, like shortening your life. I think so many people commit suicide Yeah, that it just, the life expectancy is just like lower. It can affect like insurance. I don't really know how that works now, but like, it's just that there's so much, it's just hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is definitely. So yeah, thank you again for sharing. Um, so the next question is, does having bipolar disorder affect your relationships? And if so, how? I think bipolar disorder is like a really big part of my life, unfortunately. But I think um, this is not really common to say, but I'm not really someone who is really turbulent in my personal relationships. I think there are times where I was manic and I've like gotten irrationally angry or like been like reckless. And I, but I think um, I've never really lashed out or like, I don't think my bipolar disorder, it like directly affects my relationships. Mm-hmm. I think the label mm. or like, I know I don't talk about it to people, but um, except for the people I've like previously told, but like people will see you be, like mentally ill 
very mentally ill and be like, oh, you need to see like a therapist or something. And like, um, like the friends that like helped me see like the crisis center back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they hear the, when they heard the word bipolar disorder, they like just looked at me completely different, mm-hmm. incredibly judgmental of people with mental illnesses. Ableism mm-hmm. is very real. It's funny because um, before I was diagnosed, I was incredibly symptomatic, just very like clearly not well, but people like didn't really look at me as like a, like a fucked up person. Mm-hmm. But, like after I like mentioned, oh, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I'm on mood stabilizers and I'm clearly way more stable now, like as mm-hmm. a human, but like people will like judge the shit out of me now. And it's mm-hmm. like, how does that like make sense? Like you knew me at my worst and like yeah. you were way just people are fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like another thing that you were talking about how people were like, oh, you're just quirky and just like putting that label on it. And I think it just has to do with people being afraid of things they don't understand and they don't know. And since we don't really talk about mental illness as a whole, there's not a lot of, you know, education on it. And that's why I'm so thankful for you coming on and being able to share your experience because hopefully this allows people to see how damaging these thoughts are, even if they're not intentionally trying to be like rude or anything, a lot of things that people do when coming in contact with people who have mental illness are very judgmental, very isolating. And stigma related to mental illness is so sad and it's dangerous. And it literally is killing people because as you were saying, like the life expectancy for people with bipolar disorder, much lower because people commit suicide. And I think that is part of that can come from the loneliness and come from the way that they're treated or people with bipolar disorder are treated by society, mm-hmm. the label that can change someone's perception of you, even though you're the same person. And like, as you said, like you are much more stable now. And <laughs> yeah. I hope that you're happier now, like being on mood stabilizers and the fact that just that label though can make someone switch. Yeah. Perception is just really uh, terrible. So the next question is actually really similar to that. It's just, what are some misconceptions people have about bipolar disorder and what do you want people to know about it? It's like not mood swings. I mean, I guess you could call my episodes mood swings, but they're over the course of months. Yeah. And it's like, and for most people with bipolar disorder, it, from what I understand, I think it's like weeks to like months Mm -hmm. and like, and like people will look at the weather. It's like, um, if it's raining one day, then say the next, they're like, oh, it's, it's the weather's so bipolar. It's changing so fast. And it's like, mm. that's not like what it is at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't think anyone I know would really call me moody person. Not that mm. there's anything wrong with that, but like, it's not just like being moody over like little things. Mm-hmm. Also the triggers for bipolar disorder aren't really, from what I understand, like emotional. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's, it's random, like completely random. Like I wish I could, I I almost wish I had triggers that were like, Oh, I was something good happened. Then I was manic, something bad happened. Then I was Mm -hmm. sad, but it's completely random. I think stress has maybe triggered things or lack or um, losing sleep has maybe like made things worse. But like, Mm -hmm. there's, it's not like you don't have to like um, walk on eggshells. Someone's bipolar and like, Oh, they're going to have an episode. If I say this thing, it's like, no, that's not how that works at all. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also violence isn't a thing. I I'm guilty of thinking bipolar people were violent. I honestly I think I thought it was a personality disorder mm-hmm. before I was diagnosed. I after like you know researching it, but um don't assume anyone's violent. That's like incredibly fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I think first of all with violence, a lot of it is because you know when 
there are instances of, you know, criminals who are violent and they just happen to have mental illness. That's what people want to hyper-focus mm-hmm. on because then they don't have to think about anything else. Like maybe the fact that there's horrible gun regulation in the US or whatever. They're just like, oh, nope. It's because he was bipolar. That's the reason why he did this. The fact that being diagnosed took you almost six years is insane. And I have so much respect for you for being able to go through those six years and then be in college for part of that. I can barely keep up with the work as is. And so the fact that you were able to continue being a student through being um, undiagnosed is just incredible. And another thing that's really important that you pointed out was that, again, bipolar being bipolar isn't mood swings. It's not the day-to-day things. And I think a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like what you're talking about, like I'm so bipolar because I was happy 20 minutes ago and now I'm like so sad. And you're like, no, <laughs> that's that's actually really not how it works at all. And it's not like, it sounds, and people are like, oh, mania is like, must be like fun, but it's like, it's not. I will ruin my life. <laughs> I, I've changed my major six times just from being <laughs> incredibly impulsive manic episodes and like, just like just making terrible like decisions. I dated someone during a manic episode and I was like, mm-hmm. it was just like, I, I, if I was of sound mind and body, I would not be, I wouldn't have dated that whack mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next question is what is the greatest challenge you face as a result of being bipolar? I think just realizing it's like never going to end. Like I I'm on meds, meds now, but like, honestly, I wasn't stable until like this January mm-hmm. um, for the, literally like six years. Um, I was just constantly depressed or like sad or like um, manic, even if it was like hypomania or like, like not like severe depression, I still like felt it. And it's like, it's hard. They're like, um, before I was diagnosed, I was like, oh, there's like a light of the tunnel. Like this mood swing will end. Like, I know I feel this way, but it's going to end. But like after being diagnosed, I, I've been told many times now it's never going to end even on medication. Like I'm still going to feel things, but like, Mm. it's so, I'm so thankful for being so, um, I feel really good right now and I, Mm. I'm sleeping well. I'm not like manic. I'm 99% sure. (laughs) Like I, I, it's just so weird feeling functional Mm -hmm. and it's just really hard when you like look up things and it's like, Oh, this person is bipolar and stable. And then they ended up in the hospital after 10 years being on meds, shit like that happens. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's really sad. I don't know. Like, I don't like hearing about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like when you just see all those messages and stuff, it's, it can be hard to have hope that things get better because again, like this is something that you'll be dealing with for the rest of your life. And that can be really challenging to just grapple with and understand. People with bipolar disorder experience euthymia, which is like not manic or depressed, is like normal. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just like in that. So I'm still mm-hmm. having pretty decent changes in moods, but I'm not like my self-destructiveness, it has depleted a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm graduating college, which is insane after changing my years. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That is such an accomplishment, honestly. Right. All right. So the next question is how has your experience with mental health professionals been after you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder? terrible. Yeah. Really bad. Um, I've had multiple health professionals ask me after I tell them, Oh, I, I have bipolar one. They're like, Oh, I'm like, can we back up? When did I, (laughs) excuse me? And I'm like, none. And they're like, good for you. And I'm just like, 
that's a really wild thing to say to someone just yeah. like if as a doctor dude yeah. yeah exactly also you just cut out right there for a sec but you talked about your they asked you if you had a criminal background correct yes okay that's just, just uh and I'm just like and I literally like should I be concerned about that and they're like I don't know I guess and I'm like <laughs> you can't be that irresponsible as a doctor frankly yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um, I, the, my first psychiatrist though, um, I low key kind of hate her. Mm-hmm. I, she ignored everything I said, basically after mm-hmm. the whole, um, she gave me, uh, mood stabilizers and then she gave me another medication. Cause I was having a really hard time just like staying stable. Like mood stabilizers still aren't, you know, perfect. And, mm-hmm. um, I was having a lot of hypomania and I was just like working all night. I couldn't stop like just doing work. I stopped being like reckless, but, um, I was being really productive, but I was having a hard time um, thinking clearly again. And like that leads to speaking improperly. And I just didn't want to go down that road. So she gave me other medications and that medication was hell, literal fucking hell. I hated how I felt on it. I'd also sleep for eight hours mm-hmm. as soon as I took it. And she was telling me to take it in the morning. And <laughs> I'm just trying to like be stable and like go to my classes and like function in them. And I'm finally on medication. And I, I just, I thought I'd be better at school by now because like, I, I want to be more functional. And she was like, you will get used to sleepiness and like all that. And like, um, but I never got used to it. She ignored me. I was also seeing her pretty regularly too. And like, she was also, she kept saying, you're going to get used to it. Don't worry. Or maybe try splitting it in half and taking half in the morning, half at night. I, um, Weight gain is not the worst thing in the world, but I, I gained a decent amount of weight and like the hunger I felt on this med- medication, um, insane. My stomach was constantly growling. Like she mm-hmm. mentioned that weight gain was a thing, but she was like, you know what, with like diet management and um, just like knowing it's not real hunger, it's, you can, um, you know, avoid the weight gain, but it's like, if my stomach is growling constantly, mm-hmm. I, that's as real hunger as it gets, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's not just me having a big appetite. Like I, I can't sleep cause I'm so hungry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would literally like take this medication, pass out in class because I was so fucking tired. Mm-hmm. I also got a lot of judgment from that. Cause like, I think people that hang out like, were kind of judging me. Cause they were like, Oh, you're like sleeping through classes. Mm-hmm. And I like, and like, it was really rude. Cause like they knew I was like taking like really like intense like medication at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I don't know. I've experienced a lot of just like issues, like friends with like just being incredibly judgmental. Mm-hmm. And I ended up failing the class and I was so upset with myself and I internalized it so hard, but in hindsight, it's like, first of all, that doctor did not listen to me at all. And I mm-hmm. did not care that I was sleeping through my classes or passing out in class. It, like, it was not fun. Like, and I, it wasn't really helping either. Like, I guess I was, sleeping more but like okay I shouldn't be staying up all night Mm -hmm. but me sleeping this much is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and also even when I was like awake I would feel so tired I like wouldn't even like talk I think people thought I was like really upset because I would just be like so like distant but I was Mm -hmm. just trying to stay awake constantly um and and then she I was like I I led to um poor adherence I just stopped taking it and then I, my mood got messed up again. I fell into like a really deep depression after that. But like my, it was really annoying because the doctor was always like, you know, adherence is always an issue with people with bipolar disorder. And like, they never stay on their meds. And it's like, 
maybe they don't stay on their meds because you don't listen or <laughs> care about their own fucking lives. Yeah. Uh, Susan, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. And then she, I really put the nail in the coffin for that doctor for me was, um, I was like, I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. And she was like, oh, I have perfect medication. The side effect is depression though. So that might actually make things worse. And oh was, my gosh. How that making things like, I was like, do you hear yourself, ma'am? <laughs> like before I was on um, diagnosed bipolar, she was much like kinder. Not yeah. like, maybe like, I don't want to say she was like mean to me, but she just like, she basically was like, you know what? As long as you're not manic, that's good. And it's like, mm-hmm. she like didn't care if I was like depressed. And I was like, you know what? Like, I just, this is not it for me. Yeah. Like very dismissive. Yeah. And, and I wonder if that's like from her own stigma of being like, oh, this girl, she's bipolar. She can't, you know, take care of herself. She doesn't know what she's talking about. So I'm just going to be like aggressive and dismissive and micromanage everything. I've had like people in like my personal life be like, oh, you're bipolar. You like, can't handle things. And like, just like talk about, oh my about mental health. And they're just like, she's been going to therapy and like, she's a doctor, but it's like clearly not enough. And it's like, and like, I've had people tell me that like my mental illness is selfish. And what, (laughs) how does (laughs) affecting their mental health? And I'm just like, I'm just trying to live. I, I've, I've taken like at this, at that point I had tried, I think eight medications. It's, it's not easy being me yeah. <laughs> or like, like just navigating bipolar disorder. Yeah. The worst though, is people who are ignorant and who don't make an effort to learn because mm-hmm. I can understand if someone is confused at first and I am happy to talk about what it's like to be anxious, depressed. But when you just like believe that your wrong beliefs are true and don't make any effort to educate yourself and Medical. just continue living life, like what you think what you got from one movie you watched about someone who had mental illness is correct and don't actually reach out to the people in your lives to educate yourself. That's just makes you a horrible person. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, on the flip side of that though, are there things that your friends do to help you manage your bipolar disorder? And if so, what do they do? Just like being good friends. Like you don't have to change. And maybe I understand like having like a little bit of a higher level of concern just based on like, previous experience like with me like I understand like people like um listening like a little bit more when I'm when they ask how I'm doing because like in the past I've been just fairly not doing well but like I I my biggest issue is like people just like trying to just like talking like down to you over like mental illness and it's like as long as you're like a good friend you don't really change your behavior that much do not ask someone oh have you taken your meds don't ask that. That's really fucking rude. Mm-hmm. Or like, I just, just be a good friend. You don't like, don't treat them any differently. Just listen. Mm-hmm. You heard it here. Just be a good person. Be respectful. Try to educate yourself. Don't be ignorant. That's all, all is asked of you. Um, so thank you for sharing your personal experience. And then we're just going to get right into the advice. All right. So thank you again to our guest um, for sharing your personal experience. That was really helpful for me. And I hope other people are able to learn from that. So just getting into the advice, we just want to give a disclaimer and say that neither of us are mental health professionals. Um, So please do not self-diagnose yourself from this. And if you resonate with anything that our guest is saying, um, we encourage you to seek out the help of a professional. Um, And again, 
do not self-diagnose from this. So I'm just going to pass it off to our guests to get us started on advice for people living with bipolar disorder. Um, I think the main thing I want to say is don't internalize things like a lot. I think it's, it's hard to like feel this like at when you're feeling things, when something like that happens, but like a lot of the problems I have are not from my bipolar disorder. It's from like, just like systemic like problems or like issues with like people judging me or like um, just issues like with school, not like the, not knowing about accommodations or like, just don't internalize everything about your mental illness because like, it's just doesn't help. And not everything is like in your control and as much as that sucks. Like you um, didn't choose to have mental illness, but mm-hmm. it's just part of your life and you just have to deal with it. Also, don't be afraid to switch mental health professionals. Also, email your psychiatrist whenever you're feeling really up or down, because um, like they they really like being um, in contact with bipolar patients. Mm-hmm. It's also like low key, like kind of a job being bipolar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be really on top of things. Like you have to keep them track. Like, oh, look, I have to make sure I see my psychiatrist on this day because I run out of meds and I don't want to go into withdrawal, not taking my meds for a few days. Also, you don't need to tell people. I think I did because I had a hard time. Um, I want other people to accept my illness because I didn't. Mm. You don't need to tell everybody. Maybe tell like, a close friend or two. Also, if you enjoy being manic, it's not going to last. And it's not fun. And it's incredibly self-destructive. Like, mm-hmm. Just see professional, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. Um So now we're just going to go into advice for how to help a loved one with bipolar disorder. And this is all from helpguide.org. So the first thing to do is learn about bipolar disorder, learn everything you can about the symptoms and treatment options. The more you know about bipolar disorder, the better equipped you'll be to help your loved one and keep things in perspective. Encourage the person to get help. The sooner bipolar disorder is treated, the better prognosis. So urge your loved one to seek professional help right away. Don't wait to see if they'll get better without treatment. Be understanding. Let your friend or family member know that you're there if they need a sympathetic ear, encouragement, or assistance with treatment. People with bipolar disorder are often reluctant to seek help because they don't want to feel like a burden to others. So remind the person that you care and that you'll do whatever you can to help. Show patience. Getting better takes time, even when a person is committed to treatment. Don't expect a quick recovery or a permanent cure. Be patient with the pace of recovery and prepare for setbacks and challenges. Managing bipolar disorder is a lifelong process. Don't take bipolar symptoms personally. When in the midst of a bipolar episode, people often say or do things that are hurtful or embarrassing. When manic, your loved one may be reckless, cruel, critical, and aggressive. When depressed, they may be rejecting, irritable, hostile, and moody. It's hard not to take such behaviors personally, but try to remember that they're symptoms of your loved one's mental illness. Know what to do in crisis. It's important to plan ahead for times of crisis so you can act quickly and effectively when it occurs. Having a crisis plan can help. Make sure to include a list of emergency contact information for doctors, therapists, and other friends or family members who will help. Um, And this is just for advice for how to support a loved one during bipolar treatment. That's finding qualified doctors and therapists, emphasis on qualified, set up appointments and go along, offer insights to the doctor, monitor your loved one's moods, learn about their medications, track treatment progress, watch for signs of relapse and alert the doctor to problems. And finally, here are some Warning signs of mental disorder relapse. Some mania warning signs and symptoms are sleeping less, elevated mood, restlessness, speaking rapidly, increase in activity level, irritability, or aggression. And some depression warning signs and symptoms are fatigue and lethargy, sleeping more, trouble concentrating, loss of interest in activities, withdrawing from others, and change in appetite. 
Um, finally, for the, the last piece of advice for people who have loved ones with bipolar disorder is to take care of yourself by seeking support, setting boundaries, managing stress, and asking for help. Wow, that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that wraps up the advice portion of this episode. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your personal experience, sharing your story and what you've gone through. I really appreciate it. And again, like as I said, I think this is going to be really, it's really important that people learn about bipolar disorder instead of just, you know, pushing it under the rug because they're uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Or whatever. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. I really appreciate it. And so if you guys are still listening, thank you so much. And remember to BYOB next week. Bye.